Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful that you've given us another opportunity to study your word, Father. And we thank you already uh, for what you bless us with that sweet, sweet worship, Father, and how it just puts us in the right frame of mind to hear your word. And I'm just so thankful that you've allowed our sister to share her gift, Father, with us. And I just pray for more of you, Father. I pray that our hearts, eyes, and ears will be open to receive what you have for us tonight. And that we would give thanks, Father, for just waking up this morning and finding new mercy sprinkled on our pillows. So we give praise and honor to you for all you are, Father. And we thank you also for whose we are. May you receive the blessings of every word that's uttered and every deed that's done in this place tonight, Father. It's all about you. So we thank you, Father. And we thank you for the ones who come out, Father, and this may not, they may not be in the, the best frame of mind. Uh, there's troubles, there's trials, there's tribulation. But I pray that we can let go of the cares of the day and just focus on what you have for us here and now. We thank you, Lord. May you receive the glory and the blessings of all that we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, uh, Book of Daniel, Chapter 1. And I left off uh, prior time. Actually, I went a little further second time around. But it just seems kind of unfair to not set it up for those who... I like to think we've all read the book, but there are some things that came out of it that, that I really feel a need to share. And for those who've been here for the last couple of times, I feel, uh, I don't know, I won't apologize. All I can say is you're going to hear some things that we've already talked about. Um, we talked about uh, how with uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, he was recruiting these young men, and they were typically between the age of ages of 14 and 17. And he wanted them to be representatives of his kingdom. And so he brought them in, and he gave them this, uh, this aptitude test to determine their abilities, talents, IQ. And Babylon wanted the best brains as well as perfect uh, physical specimens. And the qualifications for the, Jew, the, the Jewish young men is um, to be trained in affairs of the state, including being physically free from bodily blemish or handicap and handsome. One must have a pleasing appearance in the public eye. They must be mentally sharp, and they must be socially poised and polished for representing the leadership and again, the age of these trainees was typically between 14 and 17 uh, years. And the Chaldeans in this case were, in, in, starting in verse 4, and we're just going to move through this a little quicker than we normally would, just to get to uh, where we want to go, starting at 8. The Chaldeans were a group of advisors to King Nebuchadnezzar. They were known as a highly educated group, especially skilled in astrology and astronomy. Along with many other people groups in the Old Testament, the Chaldeans were God's instrument for judgment upon disobedient Israel. And so that's going to be primarily where our focus is. And, and the other thing that I want to touch on is uh, in verse 7, uh, when they did the name changes, I just, just to give you a point of reference as to what the changes were, um, because the idea was to take them away from this this religious system or a faith system, faith-based system that they serve to a religious system that opened up to many, many gods rather than focus on the God, one and only, the only high and lofty one. They wanted to focus on their gods. So I'll just give you their name and their name change. For Daniel, it was the name meant God is my judge. And they changed that to Belshazzar, which meant Bel, protect the king. And Bel was the name of a heathen idol worship in Babylon. So get away from God to our God. Get away from your God to our God. For Hananiah, the Lord is gracious. Changed that to Shadrach, meaning command of a coup. And a coup was a Babylonian sun god. 
for Mishael, which meant who is like the Lord. They changed that to Meshach, who is what Aku is or who is like Venus. That was a name change for him. For, for Azariah, the Lord is my helper to Abednego, which meant servant of Nago. And Nago, or Nabo, was a god of vegetation. And the tension was Nebuchadnezzar was to destroy the connection between these young men and their people, their land, and their religion. And again, uh, nothing new under the sun. So, okay, we're going to pick up at uh, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And the pagan food and drink was devoted to idols. To partake was to be understood as honoring their deities. Similar to a thing that we're going through today. Either you take what's been dedicated to idols and you eat or drink or allow to be injected. And that's your, you're, you're indicating that I'm okay with this. Well, everybody else is doing it. That was not the attitude of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was not their attitude. They weren't out to change the world. They were just out to honor what the Lord had put in their hearts. So it wasn't about trying to fit in, everybody's doing it so it must be okay, or trusting in man's decision, or man's opinion about whether we should or should not. Honor the Lord in everything. Daniel purposed in his heart not to engage in compromise by being untrue to God's call of commitment. God had already prepared their menu, the, the, for the young men. They were only required to be obedient. That's where we are today. God has already set the table. All we're required to do is be obedient to what he's done, what he's prepared for us. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge even with us. Some of us at an advanced age, we still have the desire to fit in. Well, everybody else is doing it. Yeah, so what? And, you know, we've all got moms that say, if everybody else is jumping off the bridge, would you do it too? And we've all heard those lines, or mom had some version of that. So essentially, we're at a point where we need to trust in what the Lord is saying, not what the world is saying around us. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the power of your mind. So what, what's the Lord asking you to do? What's the Lord telling you to do? That's what we need to be obedient to. Because if we're not, we've all heard, obedience is better than sacrifice. And that is so true, because if you're not obedient to what the Lord is calling you to or what the Lord is calling you from, then there's consequences, my friends. Absolutely. And we all know, everybody in this room knows that. You know, we, we're stubborn, stiff-necked people. And there are things with the Lord saying, go this way, go this way. Lord, but everybody else is going that way, so that must be the right way to go. They're, everybody's doing it, so it must be okay. And he says, no, no. What I have for you is for you. That's what we need to understand. And that may be right for someone. Maybe, maybe they've got a divided heart, so they're, they're really wrestling with which way to go. But he's telling you, and you've got to listen to him. How do you know it's the Lord's voice, you ask? You know the Lord's voice is because you have a personal relationship with him. And that's how you know. If you're at the state fair with your mom, and she calls you, you know that's your mom. How do you know that's your mom? How do you know that's not the lady from someplace else? Because you have a personal relationship, and you know that voice. That's how. And I was asked a question a couple of weeks ago. Richard, you talk about, you know, uh, uh, doing our father's work, being about our father's business. What does that mean? And that's a difficult question to answer because it's a personal relationship. What is God calling you to? What is God calling you from? You should. I won't say have to. That's the problem. We have free will. So you don't have to do anything. He's saying, go this way. And you're saying, but no, I don't want to go that way because this way is a lot easier. This way is a lot more fun. 
This way, this way gives me a lot more rewards. And so we subject ourselves to things that we don't necessarily have to because we want that easy path. We want to be able to justify it, the fact that we're making a decision and not listening to, to what the Lord says. And that's where the rub comes in. We do get into trouble. Daniel's decision did not reflect the modern softness of compromise. The will of God was the all-absorbing purpose of Daniel's life. And I pray that will be us. But it's a lot easier to do this. It's a lot easier because if I don't subject to what Nebuchadnezzar's demanding of me, I could lose my job. If I don't commit to what Nebuchadnezzar is demanding of me, I could lose my life. So I'm thinking that I'm just going to go on and cave in. I'm just going to roll over. And that's what we talked about the last time. You know, when we consider that, consider everything. Be prayerful. And I, I encourage you guys before, pray, 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 repeat. 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 Yeah. Or another way of looking at it, pray without ceasing. That's where we need to be. In that way, the Lord was, he would give you a clear understanding. He's not a God of confusion. Should I or shouldn't I do what everybody else is doing? Should I take my doctor's advice? Well, why wouldn't you listen to your doctor? This may not be the best thing to do. Pray about it. And the Lord was saying, okay, I'll give you a clear understanding. He's not a God of confusion. He would give you a clear understanding of what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. He always will. You can always trust him. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never means never. He's always with you. He's always willing to commune with you. Always willing to give you godly advice. Always willing to impute godly wisdom if you're willing to listen. That if is a big little word because it gives you a choice in the matter. And what is your motivation? What is your motivation for not listening to him? It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier that way. Less constraints. And we have to be very careful. Uh, Daniel and his friends represent the Jewish remnant, which God has in all eras. Paul spoke of this remnant in Romans 11.5. God always has a remnant. We need to seek that remnant. We need to know if his will is that we be a part of that. And the answer is yes. His, his will, his desire is that none are lost. So when he's got that remnant and you, you're, you're just a, a piece of cloth that can be a part of that, you decide. He gives you the decision to decide. Do you want to be a part of that? And if you say yes, if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, then he will take you as part of that, and through his threads of love, he will sow you into that remnant. Now you're part of that remnant. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Uh, and th that's what they represent. They represent the Jewish, so he always has a remnant. Romans 11.5 says, even so then, at this present time, there's a remnant according to the election of grace. Always a remnant. So don't ever think that, that God is not working, no matter what is going on in your life. And we have a tendency to de try and determine what's good and bad. Well, this is really a bad thing, so the enemy is doing a job on me today. No, no, my friends, not necessarily. Not necessarily. God has, has given you that still, quiet voice, come this way, come to me, come to me, and you're ignoring it. So sometimes he has to turn up the heat. Sometimes he has to, to go the fire and brimstone method because now, do you, do you hear me now? Yeah. And sometimes he has to do that. And, and I can speak of that from personal experience without a doubt. You know. And uh, in Proverbs 4.23, it says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. The issues of life. That's it, everything. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've gone through, God is in it. 
But why would a loving God take away someone that I love? Because he has the ability to see the beginning from the end. And he knows that this job, what I put them here for is done. I'm going to take them away. It's time for them to come home. And so we don't see that. We don't see what he's doing. And too often, we make the focus about that person who's suffering. We need to have a different mindset. We need to think in terms of the fact that he's using that person in a tough situation. David, she brought you some. So he uses that, that situation to encourage others. And we don't quite understand, most of us, we don't understand death, death yet. But he'll use that. He'll use that person, uh, that, that vessel as a catalyst for bringing others to him. And that's what we don't see. So let's not think about, oh, this poor person is dying. They're suffering. Uh, they're going through all this thing, all these things. But God is saying, but look, I'm drawing others in as a result of that. I'm drawing others. I'm using that as a catalyst to draw others in. And he's working, he's working, he's working, and he never stops. So don't think just because things are tough, it's not the Lord. On the contrary, friends, it is him. He's always doing something in every situation. And we forget. We think that that God that's with us on the mountain is not with us in the valley. Well, if that's the case, then God's a liar. He said, I would never leave you nor forsake you, yet he forsake you in your time in the valley when you were going through a tough time. My advice, read the book of Job. Get back to me on that. What do you think? You know, Was God not there when Job was going through this turmoil from our perspective? But look how he's, made, he's causing this poor man to suffer, how he's allowing Satan to cause Job to suffer. No, no, he's building it up. Building him up, building up Job, building us up through all the things that we go through. And God is the first one in the recycling business. Very first. Recycling isn't new. He used it right from the beginning. But the thing that is typical for us, he even uses pain. He recycles that pain. Now you can witness to someone and not talk about what you read, not talk about what you heard, not talk about what you saw on TV. I lived it. I went through it. Now I can share with my sisters and my brothers what God will, can do. And he's not a respecter of persons. What he'll do for you, he'll do for you and you. Doesn't matter. He's there with us always. You don't ever have to be concerned about that. Exodus, 14, uh, Exodus 34, 14 says, For you shall worship me, no other God for the Lord, whose name is Jealous. And he is a jealous God. Because he wants you not to worship any other gods. And in Egypt, they had multiple gods. And in, even in our world today, multiple gods. Choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what he's calling us to. Do we hear him calling? Don't bow down to Dr. Fawcett. Don't bow down to Dr. Sherry. Don't bow down to the powers that be. Don't bow down to the talking heads on CNN. Don't bow down. I am your God. One and only God. And we need to learn that. We need to be able to rest in that. And uh, in Proverbs, uh, Exodus 34, 15 says, Lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they play the harlot with their gods, and make sacrifices to their gods, and one of them invites you, and you eat of his sacrifice. And you don't have to take eat in the true sense of the word. We partake in the things of the world. And we do, as our sister uh, sang tonight, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. No one in this room is immune to that. 
No one. There's some things that we just cave into, and the world monopolizes on that. Uh, Primarily, the two things at the top of the list, sex and money. Sex, because it represents our version of love. Money, because it represents value. So we're all prone to cave into that. Some of, well, not me, brother, not me. I, I can just avoid all, any of that, both of those. And I'm not going to challenge you on that. Not at all. We're all adults here, and we understand that even on our best day, we're prone to wander. Well, it was just for a short period of time. What's the standard? How long should I allow my, my mind to wander before I start to focus on what the Lord's doing? Well, I think it's six minutes. Uh, who thought that up? You know. So we just got to be constantly aware of the fact that this world, and no matter what your age, no matter what your status, you are prone to be drawn into what the world is doing. And I, I think of situation when, uh, with, the, with, the, uh, with being strapped to a dead body. Who can deliver me from this body of death? If you're strapped to a dead body, is it more likely that this dead body is going to infect you with death? Or are you going to infect that dead body with life? Think about it. Think about it. This dead body that you're strapped to is going to draw you to death or your live body is going to inject life into that dead body. When you really think about that, it's really not difficult to figure out. So when we subject ourselves to the things of the world, when we, uh, we subject ourselves to these idols, that's what we're doing. We're strapping ourselves to a dead body. It's a losing situation for us. There's a good chance that world is going to have more influence on you than you are on the world. And when I say that, I don't want any of us to think that we're defeated. We're not. We're not. If God is for us, who can be against us? So let's stay focused on the fact that he always encouraged us through hope. And and I mentioned to you guys several weeks ago that uh, in the word of God, the word hope appears 126 times. The word hopeless appears eight times. And God didn't say anything relative to hopelessness. Because there's no such thing in God's world. There's always hope. And no matter how difficult your situation, no matter how tough it is that uh, whatever you're going through, he's got it covered. He's got you covered. The thing is, to be able to maintain an attitude of, what is God doing here? What is he working? I, I don't understand. And we don't. When we read his word and we see the word mystery, And a lot of times those are there for a reason. Well, every time they're there for a reason. Because, well, I want to know what God's doing. I want to know in advance what he's doing. No, you don't. You don't. You don't. If he were to tell you in advance what he's doing, there's two ways you're going to approach that. If it's something that you like, you want to speed it up. If it's something that you don't like, you want to slow it down or stop it altogether. So you think you want to know, but just let God do what God does. He knows the timing. He knows the circumstances. He knows the beginning, and he knows the outcome. And when I think of that, I know how we all suffer, most of us in this room, with prodigal children. Why doesn't he just get, cause them to get their act together? Well, there's a problem. God's sovereign. He's sovereign. And so he's going to give you an opportunity to decide whether you're going to take the narrow road or the broad road. And it was mentioned, well, why doesn't God just take away free will? If God took away free will, now what are you? You're just simply a robot. God does not want robots. God wants us to choose to love him. God wants us to choose to love others. And he gives you that opportunity but he will not force anything on us because he's sovereign. 
He blesses us because he's sovereign, and he chastens us because he's sovereign. And to some of us, that may not make sense. We, we just want, you know, just a, a governing force to just take over. But that's not the God that we serve. He won't do it. He'll let you know that all sin leads to death. He'll keep encouraging you to turn, turn, repent, repent, repent. He'll do that, but he will not force the issue. Always free will, always. Foods that the God's, uh, foods that God lost pro- pro- prohibited, as in Leviticus 1, were items that pagans consumed to partake were examples of direct compromise. How much different is that from what we're doing today? If we decide to, to go the way that we've been mandated, is it direct compromise? And again, this is something that I would say, seek the Lord in that. You know, we, we, can't, we can't afford to, to tell someone this is the way to go because this is what I did. We can't. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. Again, what God has for you is for you. So pray, Lord, what should I do in a situation like this? What should I do? I'm in a relationship that is detrimental to my very life. Should I stay? Well, why do you ask? Well, God, you say you hate divorce. So I don't think I should do this. He gives us some conditions, and he also gave us a Mosaic covenant, covenant so we can determine through the Holy Spirit, what should we do? And that's just one example. So many things in relationships, and which way do I go? I don't want to violate, you know, what you've commanded me to do by, by going in the other direction. But sometimes he will tell you, this is why I want you to bail out. And I'm not encouraging divorce. I hate it. Not as much as God, but I do hate it. But sometimes uh, it may prevent anything from happening further down the line. Things may really get out of hand if you decide that you want to violate uh, what, what the Lord has said. Moses took a stand, and this is what I was saying, how we are rolling over today. We, and for those who don't feel it applies to them, that's okay. Take a stand for what you believe in. Moses took a stand in Hebrews 11, 24 to 26. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy uh, the, the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. He looked to the reward. Is the Lord going to reward me for being obedient? The answer is a definite yes. He always rewards obedience, always, no matter what. So you can count on that. You can trust in that. Is he always going to give good, godly counsel? The answer is a definite yes. Always going to give good, godly counsel. Is he going to continue to love me even though I stumble and fell? Absolutely. No question about it. He keeps on loving me over and over and over and over again. And it's so true. Christ's greater riches uh, uh, than that in Egypt. And, and again, Moses looked forward to the reward. The psalmist took a stand in Psalm 119, 115. Depart from me, you evildoers, for I will keep the commandments of my God. Do you have the boldness to say that to those who are opposed to this God that you serve? Can you say that right from the core of your heart? Well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Okay. Keep in mind, as long as you're moving, you're prone to step on toes. As long as you're speaking, you're prone to hurt someone's feelings. Now, We've made compromises over the years, and I mentioned some of those, but for those who may not have been here at that time, I'll just repeat some of them. Compromise. Happy holidays, my friends. Happy holidays, coworkers. That's not a big deal. It's a huge deal. 
well, I can't say Merry Christmas in my work environment. Yes, you can. That's not a big, why are you making a big deal out of that? Just saying happy holidays because it's compromise. You're so prone to to want to fit in until you're not really willing to say Merry Christmas anymore. So you caved in and you say happy holidays. It may seem like a minor issue, but the problem is it elevates, it elevates, it elevates. And when we do that, when we compromise that much, then we end up compromising that much with just as much ease. Don't compromise. Jesus took a stand in Hebrews 7.26, which says, For such a high priest was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. He took a stand. He says, no, no, this is not right. This is not what I, I command of you. This is not my heart for your life. Take a stand. Jesus took a stand in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Lawlessness. What fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Doesn't compute. Don't be unequally yoked. And that could take on a lot of meanings because we think about that. We think about that just in marriage, but it goes well beyond that. Yep. So we can take it at that because that's what we've been taught. That's what it means. But you can be unequally yoked in different ways. These fellows that you hang around with, you know, they just go out every Wednesday night and just drink, see if we can get the drunkest. Those ladies that say, hey, let's get together and, and, do, and make a quilt. And, you know, they got the martinis working, you know, and, and in and of itself, that's okay. But in moderation. But we see so often where these things just get whirled out of control. Now, every time you get with the, this group of folks, you're violating everything that we're learning here, or almost everything that we're learning here. But it's such fun. It's a lot of fun getting with the guys. And there's nothing wrong with getting with the guys or getting with the girls. What's the outcome? Are you glorifying the Lord in that environment? Are you being faithful to the Lord's commandments? Are you being faithful to the church body? Are you being faithful to the body of Christ? Are you living in a righteous manner? So we need to ask ourselves. Verse 16 in uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. And what agreement has a temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Verse 17, therefore, come out from among them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Sanctified, separate. He wants to separate you from that garbage that we have a tendency to fellowship with. And we're in no position to judge someone's heart. You've heard it before. We can't be judges, but we can be fruit inspectors. We do have that to our advantage. Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit in this relationship that I have with my buddy Joe? Where's the fruit? Well, there is none. So why is there a relationship between you and Joe? Where's the fruit in this, this relationship between my and my friend Mary? Well, I don't really see it because I find myself giving in to what Mary wants to do, and it's not godly. Where's the fruit? Separate yourselves. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. 
I will be a father to you, and you shall be my, my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Just come to me. I am that I am. What do you need? What do you need? What is, what is holding you back from worshiping me in spirit and in truth? I am that. I am whatever you need. Whatever that void is, whatever void has been created in your life, he'll fill it with himself. You must believe that. You must. Lord, I believe. I just need a little help with my unbelief. He'll do it. He'll do it. He'll give you more than a little help. He will give you everything that you need. He will give you everything that you need to be holy. He will give you everything that you need to be righteous. He will give you everything that you need to be a true child of God. Emphasis on the word true. I'm a child of God. Really? Yeah, I go to church every week. Yeah, what does that mean? And that, that's, it's okay. It's great that you're going. But a lot of times we think that we're just going to go and become Christians through osmosis. It doesn't work that way. You've got to be dedicated to the cause. You've got to be, as the brother asked the question, what does it mean to be about our father's business? You've got to be about our father's business. And you learn what our father's business is by reading the word of God. That's it. There's no other way. You know, we can stay home and listen to the evangelists on television, and that's all well and good for some of us. Some of us, not so much. First of all, typically when we're at home, there are distractions. We don't really get the full message, and we may take things out of context. And not, not demeaning any of that, that works for some. I know some personally. Um, oh, some of that, uh, in a couple cases, I'm really bothered by. Because, well, I can stay home and have church by myself. Wait a minute. That's an oxymoron. There's a whole lot of things wrong with that statement. I can have church by myself. I don't have to go out of my house. I can stay home in my jammies. And I can cook while I'm listening to the, the, the word, the message. There's a downside to that, friends. Jesus took a stand in 2 Timothy 2.20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. In this remnant, Jesus has several vessels, and he may use you differently than he would use me. And, and you know, at a very young age, uh, I would have never imagined myself ever doing this. Never. But, but God. You know, Richard had one plan, and God had another. So he, he overruled me on this one. I'll get him next time, though. So he's going to use, are you willing to take a stand today? That's my question. Are you willing to take a stand for what you believe in? Are you willing to take a stand for the Lord? Are you willing to be bold in every situation? Are you willing to say in front of your coworkers, your social friends, uh, your, the church body, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm a Christian with boldness because oftentimes we don't. And you guys have heard me say it before. It's really a shame when you've been on that job site for months and your friends, friends, Job-like friends, your, your co-workers don't even know you're a Christian. I think that's a shame because there's got to be something different about you. There's got to be something different, either something you do or you don't do. Or you're just bold enough to say, you know, by, by your work environment, your, your work is different from theirs, your work at your attitude, your language, even the way you dress. Well, she doesn't dress like us. Well, thank God. He doesn't dress like us. Praise the Lord. So we need to be bold. We need to take a stand on, on what he's doing in our lives. Daniel 1, chapter 9 
Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. This is, this is why we need to understand when Dan, why, why would God put Daniel in a situation like that in, in the Hebrew boys? Why would he put them in, a, in an environment that is not conducive to, to their goodwill? Here's why. God honored Daniel's trust and all allegiance by working favorably for Daniel among the heathen leaders. He can do that in you. He can do that in you. Trust in him. When, when they come and say, okay, you've got to make a decision in 10 days whether you're going to take the Kool-Aid or lose your job. Now you need to decide. You need to be prayerful about what to do. And God always, he's seeing, even now, he already knows what your decision is going to be. He already knows the outcome of that, whether you choose to drink the Kool-Aid or just say, I'm out of here. He's already seen the outcome. You don't have to be concerned about that. His word says, you, you, you don't see my people begging for bread. You don't. You're not. God's people are not going to have to beg for bread. He's going to sustain you. You just need to believe. Only believe. That's all. No big deal. Only believe. In this instant, it prevented persecution and led to respect. Wait a minute. That doesn't make any sense at all. How do you go from persecuting someone to respecting them? Because God can change any heart. Any heart. It doesn't really matter. And, and as we go along in this book, we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar and the things that occurred. And it just, it, it doesn't make any sense how he goes from persecution to respect. Later on, God permitted opposition against Daniel, which also elevated Daniel. God did this. Daniel didn't go about selling himself. Well, you, you need to really keep me and let me allow me to do what I need to do because I'm really smart. I'm really intelligent. And there's no correlation between intelligence and obedience to God. None. Regardless of what the world may have us to hear. Well, you're a pretty smart guy. How can you believe in all this Jesus stuff? No correlation at all. And I'm not going to even go the other way by saying you can't be too smart if you don't believe in Jesus. Because that's not how he works. In verse back, we talk about vessels and how he uses different vessels to accomplish certain things. And that's what he's doing with each and every one of us. He's using us individually and he's using us collectively. We need to think about that. We need to be aware of that. What is God doing in this situation? He's always doing something good. And we can't afford to be the, the, to give our definition of what's good or opinion of what's good and what's bad because we don't know. We see something bad and we think, wow, God, what did I do to deserve this? Just wait, wait, wait on the Lord and he will show you sometimes he will show you what he's doing in that situation. And it's, it's a challenge for us. Um, there are not many people that I know who have a lot of patience. We want it in here. We want it now. We want it this way. And that's our nature. That's that human nature or that sin nature. Daniel, 30, uh, Daniel 3, 6 says, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So that's what our employers are saying today. If you don't bow down and do what we're telling you to do, then we're going to throw you into the furnace and not physically, not literally, but basically we're going to throw you out there into the, the, the world where it's dog eat dog. So no matter how many years you committed to this place, you're indispensable. We're going to just get rid of you and get somebody else in here to do what you're doing. We need to stand. Pray. Pray. First Samuel 2.30. Well, first of all, God always honors those who honor him. Always, always, always. 
if you will honor him, if you would keep his commandments, then he will honor that. No matter what you're going through, he will allow you to go through trials. But if you honor him in those trials, he will honor you with the outcome of that trial. So don't be, af- don't be uh, afraid of allowing him to take you away from where you are because he's already got a, a better plan for you. And when it says all things work to the good for those who are in Christ Jesus and are called according to your purposes, the word all in the Greek means all. So you don't have to be concerned about how grim, how desperate your situation is. He's going to provide all your needs. Not all your wants. Not all the things that you want because everybody in this room wants a lot of things. He will provide your needs. He's proven that over and over and over and over again. With all of us, think about what he's done. We've been in dire straits before. And the Lord brought us through it. Everybody in this room has been in dire straits before. And God brought you through it. Don't forget that. Don't forget what he's done. And always remember that he will continue to do it over and over and over again. He won't stop. Hmm. First uh, Samuel uh, two thirty, therefore the Lord, Lord God of Israel says, I, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father would walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, for far be it and for me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Esteemed. Those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Well, what does that mean? We understand what it is to honor him. And to lightly esteem, that means you will not receive all that you're capable of receiving because you're not honoring him. If you're lukewarm, you'll be lightly esteemed. If you've got a divided heart, you will be lightly esteemed. You're not receiving all that you're capable of receiving in this case. So let's get all that's coming to us. Second Chronicles 16, 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. This is what's happening. Because we have acted foolishly and now we should have wars. Because why is there war? Here's the reason. Two or more people are divided on a subject matter. Two or more people want something that only one can have. Two or more people have decided that their way is the right way. And that's when I I say two, because I really believe in the power of going out two by two. And we won't get into all the, what Richard thinks about that, but there's a reason why God did it. And there's a reason why we need prayer partners today. There's a reason why we need accountability partners today. Because when one person starts to get weak, the other person can hold up their arms. You need to. And it could go either way. One of them starts to fade or just get discouraged. The other one can encourage them. So this would be like a person all by themselves and they get discouraged. Now nothing happens. But with two, the chances are increased exponentially. Always seek that accountability partner. Always seek that partner for fellowship. Always seek that prayer partner. Have someone that you're accountable to, no matter what. And that's a great, great, great spiritual attitude to have. Always, always, always have that accountability partner. Verse 10, 
And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed you, your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. This person at your job, your manager, says, if you don't do this, you got to go. But can't we just talk about this? With the chief of the eunuchs, he was willing to step out and put his life on the line because the Lord had worked in his heart to be obligated to Daniel and the, and the Hebrew boys. The Lord has done this. So it works for you as well. If you're in a situation where now you're wondering, you know, is this man really making the call? Is this woman really making the call? The Lord can work on any heart. Just be faithful. Be faithful to what he's doing and be prayerful in what he's doing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all this other stuff will just fall into place. And it's so true. And I know we all know that. The chief of the eunuchs feared complying with the boys would jeopardize his personal safety. That's where you are. That's where you are now. The person that's making that decree on you is concerned that if I don't do what they ask me to do, then I'm the one that's going to get the old proverbial axe. So now they feel compelled to do that. But keep in mind, God's not a respected person, so he doesn't care if you're Nebuchadnezzar or the chief of the eunuchs. He can work in any heart. Just be faithful. Verse 11, so Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, and verse, verse 12 says, please test your servant for 10 days and let them give me give uh, us vegetables to eat and water to drink. And again, what does the Lord have for you? Is he saying that because you're, you're suffering this affliction now, I have a better way for you than the doctors. I have a better way for you than, than the medical system. I have a better way for you. Listen to him. Listen to him and respond positively to what he's telling you to do. Do not be discouraged, no matter what, no matter how difficult things seem, do not be discouraged. Continue to trust in him, and he will honor you. You honor him, he will honor you. Continue to trust in him. Uh, one more verse, and then we're going to wrap. 13, verse 13, Daniel 1, 13. Then let our appearance be examined before you in the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies, and you see fit. So deal with your servants. And in this case, vegetables might refer to a wheat or barley, or it could be fresh vegetables. We don't know. We don't know, but it doesn't really matter. The point is, he's calling you not to take the food of idols, regardless. And, and it's different for each one of us. What's he keeping you away from? And what's he drawing you to? That's what we need to see. So this can go in so many directions. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Why does he keep saying that? Because he knows we are prone to fear. We are. And you guys have heard it before, not just from me, but from others. We've allowed the powers that be to recognize that we can be ruled by fear. Be careful because once we allow that type of control by not taking a stand, then it just goes up and up and up. And you say, well, okay, right now we're going through this variant in this case. So is there going to be another variant? In six months? Is there going to be another variant in 12 months? Is there going to be another variant in a year and a half? So we'll, we allow ourselves to be puppets. That puppeteer is going to continue to move those strings. And we keep caving in 
the more you cave in, the deeper the hole gets that we're going to fall into. And I was going to get to a point where the things that we regret from early years, a lot of us weren't here for Roe versus Wade. A lot of us weren't here for taking prayer out of school. A lot of us weren't here for moving the commandments from certain public buildings. A lot of us weren't around when uh, the powers that be said, we're going to teach your kids whatever we want, and there's nothing you can do about it. Matter of fact, we're going to form a group of attorneys that are going to sue you if you don't allow us to teach your kid these things. And one of the sisters shared with us that she had an opportunity to see a book that they're teaching. She says it's absolutely disgusting. The things that they're teaching our kids in fourth grade these are the things that we might have learned in ninth, 10th grade. Now they're teaching it to fourth graders. And with legal backing to say, you as a parent have no say in this. We're rolling over, friends. We're rolling over. Where does it end? Where does it end? It doesn't. That's the problem. It doesn't end. If we don't take a stand for righteousness today, we're going to end up regretting things like Roe versus Wade, prayer out of school. You know, you, you can't carry a Bible in public. Wow, that'll never happen. Not in the good old U.S. of A. Please, please stop. You can't be seen going to church. You guys are going to have to go underground now. Well, no, this is America, baby. Nonsense. Where's the limit now? Look at what we've allowed. So we, we can't even imagine how far this is going to go. And for those, uh, don't get deceived. Don't be deceived. Step up. If you see something happening, step up. Step up. Step out. Have an impact. And I know we all don't have that boldness to do that. But the Lord will give you that boldness. Well, I don't know. I really don't have time to go to PTA meeting to see what my, what's going on in my, my child's school. You can't afford not to go in their PTA meeting because this is going to dictate your child's mannerism from here on out. And your child will be Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They're going to be recruited to do things that are ungodly. Oh, I should have done something when I had a chance. You've got a chance. That chance is here. That chance is now. Take a stand. Do not roll over. Jesus didn't roll over. And we say we decide to follow Jesus. Jesus didn't roll over. That means we should not either. Jesus took a stand against the evil. We should also. Be prayerful in everything. Because if you don't stand for anything, you'll stand for everything. And we all see what's happening around us. There's a song that I want to reference, and then we're going to close. It's called, uh, This Is My Father's House. And the line says, Although the wrong seems oh so strong, God is our ruler yet. So these things that are happening around us, it just seems like these splinter groups, they make themselves seem so large. They're not. They're 1% of us. Not just as Christians, but of the world. They're 1%. But they make a lot of noise. They're very active. Very visual, and that's their idea. Very expressive, and they seem like they're really strong, but they're not. God is the ruler yet. There's always hope, my friends. There's never a time when there isn't. There's never a time when God is not with you. There's never a time when he's not going to protect you from the evils. Never. And though it may not always seem that way, though it may not always feel that way, he's with you to the end of the earth. Heavenly Father, we just give thanks for what you've done. We give thanks for what you're doing. And we give thanks for what you're going to do, Father. May you receive the blessings, Father. And I just pray, Father, that there's anything 
even one word that I've said that was discouraging to my sister or my brother, Father, that you would just wipe it from our memories even now, Father. And I also pray that if there's anyone among us tonight who don't yet know you as their Lord and Savior, that tonight would be the night that they would come running and said, what must I do to be saved? Father, I'm just so thankful this opportunity to share with my sisters and brothers. And I just pray, Father, that, that it was a message of encouragement. That no one would leaving here feeling downtrodden or defeated. That they would always know that we have a God who loves us unconditionally. Always know that the runner stumbles, but God does not see failure the way we see failure. He sees the finished product. And I pray that each and every one of us, Father, when our, when our numbers are called, when the trumpet sounds, that he can indeed say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come on in. So, Lord, thank you so much for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. And thank you for your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out.